literally the week before rush, I cut my own bangs. My mom was so mad at me. <laughs> cut my own bangs. They were really bad. Did you? So you cut yourself a full bang? You wanted like a Kristen Cavallari side I went, bang? No, I went with like a Stepford wife bang for a while. Oh, the week before rush, my mom was so mad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, so up until now, you've told me a lot and. I've been like, yeah, that's semi-destructive behavior, but bangs the week before rash is super destructive. She was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? He was a punk. She did Hi everybody, welcome back to the Be There on Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. What an interesting time to be alive. It is uh, March 10th, Tuesday. And I know we have a lot going on in our individual lives as well as Globally, you know, with the COVID-19 of it all. And I am sorry if I perpetually got, uh, you know, Dexy's Midnight Runners stuck in your head. You know, what's funny as I was watching TV and the way this guy said COVID-19, it sounded like, come on, Eileen. And then I Googled it and there's already a couple who had made a parody video of coronavirus to come on, Eileen. And it just goes to show. An easy joke's an easy joke. Somebody's already thought about it. There's just like no way around it, you know, but far more important than my virus jokes going viral um, is, you know, the virus. And, you know, guys, I don't know. Don't listen to people like me. Listen to healthcare professionals. We know everything and nothing. It's overhyped and underhyped. You know what I mean? Like we're somewhere in between and nobody, nobody knows anything. (laughs) Uh, So instead of seeking solace in our peers highly subjective and editorialized opinions just be judicious about your hygiene wash your hands be a good neighbor wipe things down if you don't feel well don't leave the house be mindful of 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 coughing and face touching and all those things just so as you might not even know you're sick and let's keep each other safe and in turn keep ourselves safe and let's not freaking stockpile for the goddamn apocalypse and just Get what you need for a few weeks of, of sick leave. Like, I, I per, perhaps what I'm most threatened by is not the coronavirus, but the terrifying nature of mankind to hoard and have an every man for himself mentality in a time of, you know, terrifying uncertainty to just to like, hoard. I, I just don't I don't know. I, I that it just is like a little disappointing. I just feel like, yeah, take care of you and yours. My God, your children, your family. But at a point, you're hoarding items that are essential to healthcare workers, to people that are actually sick, to members of your community that are actually making the problem far worse. And while you're protecting yourself, you're harming your community by robbing them of the supplies necessary for containment and for treatment. My God, like, I don't know. It just bothers me. Like, people are posting photos of all of their masks and stuff. And I'm just like, yo, I don't think this is a great look. This isn't charming. Like a lot of families can't afford to buy 5,000 cases of one item, you know? And like, I just think it's, I just don't understand on what planet it's like cute (laughs) to hoard a bunch of stuff. You know, a lot of families just need one or two of something, but you cleaned it out and now they can't get it. I'll just like sit and stare at it in your home. I, you know, when you really think about it, it's it's kind of odd. I just, I don't know. I I want the most vulnerable to be taken care of first. And I fear a shortage of supplies because of people that just want the abstract satisfaction of knowing in the event of an apocalypse, 
they're taken care of, when really said apocalypse is largely perpetuated by the very type of hoarding behavior that the person is ironically doing preventatively. You know what I mean? Anyways, I don't know. I don't get it. I didn't get it when I watched Extreme Couponers back in the day. I don't get it now. I, you know, not that you're bad if you stockpiled. I understand the hype. I just mean, you know, make sure you're a good neighbor. Germs-wise, supplies-wise, let's take care of each other. I always try to take a step back and be like, okay, should the world be ending? When I get to the pearly gates, am I going to be like, I did it. I bought toilet paper and Mucinex and Purell and bottled water, even though the water systems were running just fine and I could have used a Brita filter. Uh, I win. I outwit. I outplayed. I outlasted. And then God's going to be like, um, I'm God. I'm not Jeff Probst. This isn't a game of Survivor. Uh, you're an asshole. And I'd be like, ah, oh, man. So am I like the Richard of Heaven? Like, Survivor Borneo was life. And this is my next phase, which in Richard Hatch terms is the biggest loser temptation nation. Or what's the sitch here? You know, it's it's dark. And I just try to stay above the fray, you know? Sometimes, too, I think, like, what if you what if you got to the pearly gates and it was like Ramona Singer? And I was like, hey, girl, what's up? Caduce, I'm not making a mountain out of a whole mill. Like, you're up here in the sky with the rest of us. Shocking. And she's like, you don't support other women. And I'm like, what? And then I realized, oh, my God, that's right. Taylor Swift said that Madeline Albright said that there's a special place in hell for women that don't support other women. Am I going to that special place in hell? And then I go there and I have a great time because it's like me and Bethany and the gang, you know, and it's not that bad uh, because sometimes I think the high horse people that are saying women don't support other women are the most problematic women of all because that's a sentence you pull out when you realize the content of your defense is so fundamentally indefensible that you can no longer argue for your content, for your point. You can only argue with the concept of being argued with. You know what I mean? It, it would never, if a, if a woman was disagreeing with me, it would never occur to me, I don't think, to clap back with you don't support other women. Like, that would be the last argument. I would, I would have to exhaust every single point I had before I ever got to that place. But that plays as an incredible crutch if you don't have a leg to stand on. And all the same in argument, I agree with wholeheartedly. I want women to support other women. I just wish it wasn't an argument people used when they wanted to be exempt of criticism, is all. Anyway, happy International Women's Day. <laughs> anyway, wow, that was an interesting first several minutes. I didn't see coming. Uh, might have to re-record this tomorrow, but... <laughs> anyway, I'm excited. Today we have Merritt Beck who is such a delight, has become such a good friend, who I think is moving to Chicago still. So I have a, a royal correspondent, and more importantly, a friend. Today we're talking about her experience uh, growing up doing several years of Deb balls, debutante balls. And I'll go, uh, when we have our conversation, I go a bit more into the background of them, which I think is really interesting considering, um, I guess with the theme of International Women's Day, especially too, thinking about the role of marriage and society and of uh, women and at a point in time, how people literally didn't know what to do with their unwed daughters that they would like send them to convents. I mean, it's it's really wild when you think about 
marriage as a construct in our society and where it is now versus where it started. And um, I think it's a really interesting conversation. We also talk about her time in a sorority. We talk about royals a bit, too. And I wanted to start out a little bit by elaborating on um, the farewell tour of Harry and Meghan, because they just wrapped up a weekend of doing several different events. They, I mean, sartorially crushed it. Their demeanor was so seemed like free and lighter. And you guys know I support Megan. And it's less of a thing of like, I'm a stan and more of a thing of, I just do not think people realize how many arguments against her are incredibly unfair and cliche as it relates to women. Um, and I, I just... I, and this isn't even about Megan. Like, I don't I don't care if you aren't like her biggest fan, if you're not that fond of her. I just want to ask with like any situation. And I'm asking myself this right now with Hannah Ann, because I whatever I don't know, whatever school of acting she went to, it reminded me of Gina Giannina on Love is Blind, like the Bachelor finale tonight. Like she was acting like that was that was the most weirdly insincere television I'd ever seen. Like. And something so it's like I get watching somebody and like they just rub you the wrong way and there's a lack of sincerity. And I think you're totally entitled to gauge that from a public figure. I, I really did not start out. A Megan fan whatsoever because of that engagement interview where she said she just asked if Harry was kind. And as I've said before, I'll say again, that would be my 15th question. But as time has gone on, I've really felt like. She's she's just not the villain everybody wants her to be. And when you really look at what happened with the situation, I don't think a lot of us would behave that differently. And the choice of the media to spin it in a way that makes it look like they just removed themselves from this timeless tradition bound institution that they're just up and leaving. I don't I don't think anybody is choosing to see the ways in which they were very much pushed out and cornered until they had absolutely no choice, because until they left, nobody else did. And you could just push and push and push. And I think for me, I just always want people to consider that Harry isn't brainwashed. He's not being strong armed or steamrolled. She's not this monster manipulative woman that came in and just completely hijacked his life. Rather, Harry was born into a family that is mired in problems, that is a broken system. It's elite, but it doesn't mean it's not broken. And the Queen's motto is never complain, never explain. He was born and bred to accept and tolerate the status quo because it is what it is, because the tradition that defines the royal family is also the thing that perhaps threatens their relevance the most. And while they toe that line and try to evolve in small, tiny ways, they never overhaul. They never respond. They, they never do anything that isn't at an utterly glacial pace as it relates to change, it seems. And I think that Harry has struggled with mental health openly. He lost his mother at a young age. He's always resented the media. He hates the Royal Rota, the crew, uh, the arm of the media that exclusively covers royal events that the royals are in cooperation with. The way I see it, 
is that there's a lot wrong with the royal family. If you don't think so, please, please remember these are the people that did jack shit to defend Meghan when she was in the thick of some intense media scrutiny that not only was untrue, but also worse, was invasive publishing letters that was, you know, misogynistic. That was racist. Oh my God, like the same people who've done virtually nothing to push back on the media that they are in cooperation with, by the way, to push back on their treatment of Meghan. These are the same people working overtime to protect Prince Andrew, BFF of Jeffrey Epstein, pedophile extraordinaire. Like, just keep that in mind. What, this is what I'm saying. Like, the, the, the system is broken. Like, there's so many deeper issues that we'll never know the extent of. But so much of it stems from media. And I think we have to remember, well, okay, let me get a little bit back on track. I promise I won't talk for much longer. My point is, I don't think Meghan is controlling. I don't think she's brainwashing Harry. I don't think she's manipulating Harry. I don't think Harry's defenseless and has simply surrendered to her alleged reign of, of terror. I, I think that is remarkably sexist fiction that aims to paint women who are actually agents of change and disruptors as agents of chaos who are being disruptive. Um, inevitably, change isn't comfortable in any format. And the choice of being like, ugh, she always is stirring drama instead of taking a step back to just consider that this might be a well-intentioned and necessary and prompted, honestly, uh, change on behalf of what's best for their family. I think Harry has just tolerated a level of mistreatment his entire life that just as par for the course comes with the territory. And he had found a life partner who empowered him to say this isn't OK. And it doesn't mean she's crazy and manipulative and dramatic. It means she's a person with a different set of values, a different perspective and a deep caring for the best interest of her husband, who frankly hasn't been happy in his role for a long time. And I think the important thing to consider, too, is think about OK, think about being Harry. They aren't apples to apples with William and Kate. William and Kate have upward mobility. William and Kate are taking over the monarchy. In, in a lot of ways, they don't have a choice but to comply with. I'm sure a lot. They, I'm, sh if, I'm sure if they could have the freedom Harry and Meghan have now, they would take it. They, he's not in that position and they have to kind of deal with the hand they're dealt. I think Harry is in a position where he should actually push the limits and exercise his freedoms. Why? Because imagine being in a job where your boss doesn't like you or your team and you are completely stuck at that company and you are not allowed to get another job and you're also told you'll never get promoted. It, he's not going anywhere like he's not going to be king. He's not moving toward anything. He's just in suspension, living amongst these incredible restrictions, high levels of scrutiny, propensity for betrayal and uh, amongst a group of untrustworthy people, it seems, that have the best interest of image appearance and like operations. <laughs> they, they, they care about those things more than their own flesh and blood. It's like, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't I would try for the same. I guess I just don't really see why it's so crazy that they want to sever ties with the media that is misrepresenting them and they don't want to use public funds because, again, that's more reason for the media to heavily scrutinize them when they could be making money independently. 
I don't see why a person that's never going to be king shouldn't actually go that route. And they actually could probably have more impact as a result. Do I think that Megan's entirely, you know, entirely selfless in this endeavor? Like, no, she was an actress. She wanted to be a celebrity. Like anybody in Hollywood, anybody who wants to act, honestly, anybody in most public formats is a level, has a certain level of inherent attention seeking. Look at me, youngest child, party of one. I put a mic in front of my face. Um, I think she likes the spotlight. I think she did a great job in it. I think it's a really disappointing missed opportunity to um, compromise with them and have them be a part of the royal family in a more progressive way instead of just saying our way or the highway. Um, but I think that like on the I I get why people can see like okay she's a celebrity she wants to be famous. She got exactly what she wanted, fame on this global scale, but she only wants it on her own terms. Like, I, I see it. I do get it. I just really, really, really think it's important to give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes and to realize that she was really poorly treated by the British media and that I don't think she wants this narrative for herself. I don't think anybody wants to like, be perceived to break up a family. I don't think this was her end goal. I honestly think they thought they could compromise and carve out a different role. And they they just couldn't. And that all of the things of the past year compi compiled um, got them to a place where they essentially had no choice but to back out because it impeded on elements of their character and value system that are inarguable, that are inflexible. And I think I'll just the last thing I'll, I'll just read Harry's statement when he sued the media in the fall. Um, because I, I think it helps to kind of remind you of the severity of the situation, the intensity of the emotion behind it, um, how them not pushing back against what they're doing is against everything they believe in and how it comes from a much less selfish place. than I think a lot of people think is just for financial gain. He said, for these select media, this is a game and one that we've been unwilling to play from the start. I've been a silent witness to her, Megan private suffering for too long. To stand back and do nothing would be contrary to everything we believe in. This particular legal action hinges on one incident and a long and disturbing pattern of behavior by British tabloid media. The contents of a private letter were published unlawfully in an intentionally destructive manner to manipulate you, the reader, and further the divisive agenda of the media group in question. In addition to their unlawful publication of this private document, they purposely led you misled you by strategically omitting, omitting select paragraphs, specific sentences, and even singular words to mask the lies they had perpetuated for over a year. There comes a point when the only thing to do is to stand up to this behavior because it destroys people and destroys lives. Put simply, it is bullying which scares and silences people. We all know this isn't acceptable at any level. We won't and can't believe in a world where there is no accountability for this. Though this action may not be the safe one, it is the right one, because my deepest fear is history repeating itself. I've seen what happens when someone I love is commoditized to the point that they are no longer treated or seen as a real person. I lost my mother, and now I watch my wife falling victim to the same powerful forces. I have goosebumps. Like, guys, it's just, we got to remember this. I, I'm not trying to be like a blind stan here. I just really think that, like, people think they just like want to be rich and hang out with the Cloonies. Um, when I do, and perhaps they do, I do. Uh... But I think it's just rooted in something like a lot deeper and a lot more important to them. It, I think when you really look closely at the timeline and details, it just Harry and Meghan aren't monsters. 
There are people that can't turn a blind eye to things that are fundamentally wrong. And all of the charities and things and causes they support and promotion of mental health, for them to accept these behavior being done to them and not making an example of the media that's doing it, like they would be the biggest hypocrites of all. And I think that a lot of people in power um, sit, you know, sit pretty in their hypocrisy. And that just comes along with it. And I commend anybody who's willing to stand up and say, I'd rather look bad doing the right thing than look good doing the wrong thing. I just don't think it's this broader malevolent agenda to completely like ruin something for the sake of their own financial gain and celebrity. I really just think it's deeper. It's emotional. But anyway, I get the different sides of it. And I get how Megan looks like a social climber. Um, but at a point, if you fall in love with somebody at the top of the ladder, yeah, you might have climbed, but it doesn't mean you don't deserve to be there. And furthermore, do we have to question every single one of your intentions? Again, to quote one Taylor Swift, we don't want to be condemned for being multifaceted. I think somebody can be a great networker and be a bit of a social climber and also not be a shitty human being. We're, we're a lot of different things. And I think Megan's a lot of different things. And I'm sure she has really unbecoming qualities. But I also think that she actually is an impact-driven, change-driven, good human being that was doing a lot of this work way before she ever even had a shot in hell at meeting or marrying a prince. For the love of God, she took on Procter & Gamble when she was like 13 in 1994. What child is calling up Linda Ellerby on Nick News and being like, we need to change this commercial because it's painting as women as the only people that can wash dishes? Like, that's wild. She was a UN ambassador. She like, I just think that like, her background lends itself to her actually being the person she says she is. And it's not an act. And I just find I, I really, especially as of late, to find her to be honestly sincere. And I honestly think she's trying to do the right thing. And I think she probably feels so much differently now that she's a mother. And um, I just am going to give her the benefit of the doubt all day uh, because I think that she wanted this to work and she doesn't want to be the person that to uh, look like she's tearing Harry from his family. Um, and I don't think they would do this unless as their own family, they felt they absolutely had no choice. Otherwise, everything they believe in would be compromised. Um, and lastly, the I mean, my God, the freaking. Last weekend of events was outstanding. It was chef's kiss. It was sartorially. I mean, their attitude, like everything was just like they really just seemed happy and content and i'm i'm happy for them i think that i mean the the endeavor fund was the first one that that photo of them walking in the rain like like what what a metaphor they're walking in the rain weathering the storm together she is in a gorgeous blue albeit slightly ill-fitting dress He's in a blue suit. She's a simple slow ponytail. She simply looks over at him for a split second. Captures the literal iconic photo of the century. That photo is unbelievable. It is sparkling. It is, I was enchanted to meet you vibes. Like, they're backlit. It's raining. There's the flashes somehow make things sparkle. Like, I don't even, like, it's just so funny. Even people see that. It's a gorgeous photo. It's iconic. And people are like, ugh, typical Megan. Called up God, told him to make it rain, manipulates the weather. Can you believe it? Ordered up a cumulonimbus on Postmates. I'm like, what are you talking about? Shut up. Like, she can't change the weather. It, it, it's, 
if you look at the video footage, she glances at Harry for two seconds. And that's when they caught the photo. And I think, too, you have to remember, like, there's a performative element to anything you're doing that's public facing. Are you kidding me? What am I going to do? Like, scowl when I'm up on stage or taking photos with people? No, like, I might be in the worst mood ever, but I, you put on the face. You're happy. Like, y- y- that's part of the job. And, like, I just think that's what's so crazy and so problematic and sexist is just like, gah, she knew that by looking at her husband, her own husband that she loves and smiling at him under an umbrella, what she knew what she was doing. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's insane behavior. Like, like, I just, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't with the pushback of nonsense like that. It just, there's no argument whatsoever. It's just, it's not a flex. It's, it's not a, we're, we're going to show them. It's like, they're smiling and walking under an umbrella and there's a beautiful shot because they're beautiful people. It's whatever. Um, but again, I'm not British and I don't mean to disrespect anybody. Now we'll move on to merit. Real quick, though, before I forget, I wanted to tell you about our first sponsor. It's one of our favorites because I believe in their mission. It is Simple Health. They are all about care that fits your life and they are making birth control simple, convenient and affordable with online prescriptions and free home delivery. So whether you're new to birth control or tired of dealing with renewals and pharmacies, They are a company that allows you to fill out an online health profile and then an actual doctor reviews that you're a good candidate for birth control and writes a prescription. You pick the birth control you want or you have a doctor recommend the best one for you and then it ships to your door monthly without interruptions. It's with most insurance plans, it's free. Um, Otherwise, it starts at $15 a month without insurance and it's just a better way to get birth control. There's no waiting rooms or pharmacy lines. You have immediate access to a doctor and, you know, the accessibility of that doctor or your insurance status doesn't prevent you from getting birth control. It's personalized and you're given an actual consultation. They have over 100 trusted brands of the pill. Above all else, they're, they're putting women in charge of their own health in a world where women's health policies are too often dictated by men, by governments, by insurance plans. And I just can't deal with living in a world where over 19 million Women lack reasonable access to contraceptive methods, and half of women have have admitted to taking their birth control inconsistently to save money. Um, these are things I we you know if men can get Viagra online, like why is birth control different? Like it's a basic part of women's health care, and this is a company making it as easy as possible for women to just fulfill their freaking basic health care needs, regardless of income, location, or insurance access. I'm getting heated as I talk about this. Like it's just such a no brainer to me. And I know a lot of you have tried it already and have told me about your experience and have had an incredibly positive one, which I'm so excited about. I do need to remind you, this is not a replacement for a routine checkup with your doctor. We still want people to get pelvic exams, pap smears, checkups, but there's just no medical reason to link those visits specifically to contraception. But please be mindful that this does not replace a routine checkup. Um, So anyway, guys, don't miss your chance to try Simple Health for free with my code by going to simplehealth.com slash be there in five, how the show is spelled F-I-V, not the number five, or entering code be there in five at checkout. Again, that's simplehealth.com slash be there in five or enter code be there in five at checkout to try Simple Health for free. Um, oh, so Merritt's been on the podcast a couple of times and AOC's kind of my royal correspondent and obviously a lot has gone down and Later in the episode, we'll talk about it because it like I feel like a lot of it's been exhausted. Like there, 
it's one. Of, it's the biggest story that's like ever happened in this era. But also, I just feel like it was talked about so much. There's no new information no other new than information. what we've all seen and read so many times already. Right. I don't know. I could talk about it for years. But um, <laughs> so last time she we, was on the podcast, um, I forget in what context, but like you kind of casually mentioned that you were like that you were involved in debutante balls. Yes. And then I got, I was like, I wanted to drop everything and talk about it and then realize like, maybe we'll just do this another time. And then since then I've had so many listeners be like, must hear about <laughs> Merit's debutante experience. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I mean, I, I grew up in the South, so I'm very familiar with them. I wasn't one, but I'm very fascinated by them. And like the private school girls would do them. And I, like, went to Marissa Cooper, Rory Gilmore's, you know... Oh, and Serena Vanderwoodson. Oh, yeah. Those are the three TV but characters. she wore a gold dress that would never have been allowed She was, like, trying to make a feminist statement. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I remember the... I recently rewatched the entire Gossip Girl series. It's so good, by the way. But that night, she also... They read out, like, what your endeavors are or achievements or co- contributions to charity. And it, like, lists out betting men and stuff. <laughs> It's yeah, did, I like, was thinking about that today. I was like, that was a weird episode. Did she ha- sabotage it on purpose? Yes, because her grandmother put it put her own verbiage in. Oh, that grandmother was awful. Cece, yeah, I know too much. Oh my god, no. People have asked me to do a Gossip Girl deep dive. It's just been too long, and I'd argue after the f- first two, three seasons, there's like the first season was freaking phenomenal. It, that was also kind of too like in the. Like Tinsley, not Tinsley Mortimer heyday, but like she was in that one episode, the yes. vitamin water party. <laughs> yes. So we're the same age, and I, another reason I'm, I'm interested too, because I feel like you would have gone through them in the heyday of the socialite. Now they might seem out of even more out of tune, but we'll get into that. Um, I, I just think it's like an, a very uh, fascinating like, like subgroup that's rooted in. It's it's rooted the way I read about it in terms of like understanding women's history and like how women uh, have been positioned career wise, value wise, like just in terms of uh, the only job that used to be available to women, like you know Protestant Reformation era, right? Is is marriage? Marriage, yeah. And the roots of this are so fascinating. And while it's like a departure from that anymore, I kind of wanted to like review it because it's kind of fascinating because well. So, like, if you think back to medieval Europe, people, like, the world was, like, dangerous. People lived in castles, you know, the moats, all that shit. And um, because of that, people developed this, like, siege mentality that there could be war at any time. So everyone's families, like, were always completely scared. And you would make alliances with other families for your safety. And the main way these alliances were forged was through the arranging of marriages of their children. And those arranged marriages as you may have heard, when they're cemented with payment, a dowry, if you watch 90 Day Fiancé, too, you're very familiar. And um, a lot of countries still do this. And uh, the parents of a daughter daughter provide um, her with something called a dowry, which is an amount of money that she comes with, which kind of like is her value, if you will. And then if a family had more than one daughter and couldn't afford multiple dowries, they chose their most like marriageable daughter um, to focus their efforts and money, which is very pride and prejudice, right? Um, and the chosen daughter was like, you know, probably the most like attractive or charming girl or like the, the, the article I, I was uh, reading, it was like the least sickly. I was like, okay. 
the least likely to die yeah, by right. cold or T- flu. Yeah, not typhoid Mary. She's yeah. G2G to a convent. Um, and then any girls who remain would be sent to the convent and they'd live out the rest of their days like studying, gardening, like literally spinning, like that's where spinster comes from and never marrying. So if you were, your parents could afford a dowry and you weren't the hottest sister, you'd get sent to a convent. But then what happens? The Protestant church breaks off from the Catholic church. Protestants don't have convents. And um, the when the Reformation came around, there was all these extra daughters, and nobody had anywhere for them to go. And by the early 18th century, rich English parents figured out that if they took their daughters to London during the season of social events, like balls, concerts, whatever, teas, um, that happened when the, like, aristocracy was there for parliament season they could find husbands for them so each girl was presented to like the king or queen or different members of society in these parties and by restricting their like teenage daughter's social lives to this one like type of party season of parties parents kind of prevented them from attending like inappropriate events and effectively limited their pool of possible husbands to a selective group of like rich men and girls would be introduced to these suitors at at these parties and uh, you kind of would get swept off your feet and they would hope for the best and thinking about the origins of that in terms of like a you're it used to be like only if your parents had money. Then if you weren't the hot sister, you got sent to a convent. Then there was a surplus of women. So they had to solve a problem of like, what do we do with these women? We have parties, we assembly line, line them up, and we kind of have men take their pick. And like, but at that point, it was a, a more elite echelon of society. But I just thought that was interesting, especially with the tie of like pride and prejudice and Mr. Bennett and his five daughters, like, the whole thing made so much sense to me, and I wasn't, like, super aware of that, even though, like, it makes sense. I don't know. Did you know about all that? First, let me just say I'm always totally overwhelmed and impressed by how much research you do oh, on the topic. <laughs> Literally didn't know any of that, but it all definitely makes sense. I mean, it's kind of on par with even how they are today, even though it's very different. Um, that is sort of, I, I would think, the end goal. I mm-hmm. mean, that's sort of what it felt like they put you together with um, an escort to take you down to be kind of debuted into society. And you do a bow and then you dance and you meet all of these different men and women in the same class level if you want to go that far. Right. Um, it, but I've never I've never done any of that research and that's very eye-opening. <laughs> well, and I don't say that to make you feel like anything. No. But um, like when you... Okay, so when, like, at what point in your life does this, like, first come up? Like, are you training for this for a while? Um, so, I mean, a l- we talked about cotillion. You said you did that, right? Yes. Okay, so we did that as well, and I want to say it was, like, in seventh or eighth grade. And yes. a lot of these deb balls, at least in Austin, have younger girls participate as, like, I don't want to use the word handmaidens because that's like, not what they are, what a, a and I don't want to reference. Kind of, kind of. Um, it's just like to get them involved. It's yeah. not really anything above that. But um, like, I feel like the one I did in high school, helping hand, maybe had younger girls involved because they wanted to be. It's like you get dressed up. What was and called helping hand? It's it was one of the balls. Oh, that's what it was called. Helping okay. hand. Like it's, like it's jump a charity. Rope for it's a heart. charity. <laughs> well, all of these have to do with charity. So okay, of course right. it's not just like um 
the social aspect is what everyone's excited about, of course, but it's all tied back to a charity, always money raised for that. Um, but I feel like as far as the age at which you start thinking about it is probably in middle school because of that aspect where they invite younger people to participate in the actual event. Um, so we did cotillion, but the first dead ball I was in was, I think, junior year of high school. Okay. It may have been sophomore year. I can't remember. So you're like 16. Yeah. It's coming not, of age. Yeah. So coming of age sitch is not, it, it's not dissimilar from a quinceanera, a bat Sweet mitzvah. 16, yeah. Like there's, there, a lot of d- cultures have their mark when somebody becomes like a man or woman and you have a party more often than not, it centers on the party celebrating one person. Right. And this is several people and this isn't like a cultural thing. It's more so of like, uh, uh, only available to the elite because you don't, you have to buy your way in because it's for charity. It's kind of like getting a table at a charity auction or whatever, right? Or function. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm sure you weren't asking. No, (laughs) I didn't care. I just cared about the dress and like the boys. So you don't have to like try out is my point. No, it all, I think all comes down to the money families donate and like how involved they are and I feel better knowing this goes to charity. I was I was not sure. I'm not I again not speaking for all dead balls, but the ones that I participated in, I think they all were. And the so. New York one definitely does. Yes. Um okay, so you like vaguely know that you're gonna do this thing. When you're closer to the age, do you take specific classes? No, but in Texas we do it's we do a bow. It's so called ever, the it's the called the Texas, Texas dip, dip curtsy. Yeah, <laughs> I, looked into I can this. do it for you. I'll do it for you after this. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be good at it. It requires you, a lot of you strength. You have to like go down to your heels. It's like and drop then, down and, and then, get your eagle on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like doing a swan dive right here. You can't see it, but you kind of do a swan dive, curtsy your legs, and then squat. It's really hard. And I never really had a lot of leg muscle. It took me a while to nail it. And there was a coach. <laughs> What are you? Oh, <laughs> I'm doing, doing your Texas dip curtsy. I no, I I read about that and um, I my godmother was actually the um, the coach, like the Texas dip coach for everybody. Like she taught us all how to do it. So what? Do you know the origins of it? No idea. No. That would be worth a Google. Maybe you can add it in at the end. <laughs> I read that the Texas... So I read that one at these dead balls, like, you know, you're lined up by... If you're going to an international one, you're lined up by country, and then when the, within the U.S., it's by state. But that, like, nobody really cares because they just, like, want to wait for Texas. Yeah. Um, I think it's, like, the biggest producer of Debs, for lack of a better term, and they have a special dip. Um, and it was, like, basically... You're supposed to keep like completely straight and your dress is so big, you drop down down and you essentially sit on your heels, right? Yes. So you kind of almost look like you're a melting snowman. Yeah. And your dress stays poofy (laughs) and then you lean forward once you're down there. And then if you're doing it the right way, which not all Texas Debs do, you do not take your escort's hand and stand up all on your own. Oh, you just have to like engage your quads. It's hard, y'all. <laughs> oh my uh, god, I wish I had a. Uh, there is training required for that part. Wait, I, I need to. I wish I had um a tripod. We I, like I need to you to teach me to do okay. it. Okay, <laughs> I will. I'll I'll videotape you doing it after I show you how. Um. Okay. So the other piece too that I read is that 
that everybody like walks out to a song about their state or like it has to be like kind of about where you're from. My sister, so for the international ball, my sister and I did it together. So when there's a sister that's close in age, they'll often like oh, want you to nice. do it together. So I can't remember what song we walked out to, but it was definitely Texas something. Was probably like, like the eyes of Texas or uh, I don't know what the other ones are. I'm terrible. God bless Texas. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't like she thinks my tractor's sexy. No, (laughs) yellow rose. I don't know. Um, But the other ones that were in Texas, we didn't have that. It was more just like ballroom music. Yeah, because you're already from there. Yeah. Um, Do you remember like going to pick out your dress? Like, is it is it a wedding dress? I had mine designed. No way. Yeah, um, by Michael Faircloth. He used to design dresses for uh, Laura Bush. Oh, okay. Um, and so, and he was in Dallas, and because oh, I was... Oh, they're a Texas family, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and I think my sister had hers designed by him as well. Um, but I was so excited because I've... Uh, this is so dumb now that I'm saying this, but I always knew I wanted lace on my wedding dress. Yeah. Still not married, by the way. <laughs> um, and so I wanted the Deb dress to be different from what that would look like, and so I wanted it to have, like, jewels on it which sounds so gross now <laughs> like bedazzled yes to be um, fair bedazzling was so hot when was this 2005 2004 yeah yeah I mean th- th- that was the prime era you had a T-Mobile sidekick and it had rhinestones on it yeah so I respect that it was it was elegant though I will say but my favorite part about it was it had straps that they could remove so for certain ones you had to have straps like you couldn't do strapless oh. and so it had these jeweled straps and then for the ones in college I could go without straps, and so I went strapless. But I thought that was a cool. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> cool edgy detail. as hell. It's like a going out top. <laughs> I'll show you a picture of that. I think I posted it after we talked about it on the last oh, one. Oh, I think you did. I was yeah. really excited. You could use that in your Instagram yes. promo if you want. Better than me doing a Texas <laughs> tip. Uh, that too, though. Did you wear the same dress to everyone? Yes. And, and I think most people did. Okay. There may have been one or two that like decided to get a new one for like the last couple of years yeah because I mean we're doing this we did it for like six years so I mean there's a chance that it might not fit or it gets stained or whatever at all these parties six years yeah we started doing it like sophomore junior in high school and I my last one was senior year of college or end of junior year yeah so So maybe like four years but what but okay five years so it, it must have been fun if you kept doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, the whole thing is a party. Like, we just drink and go out afterwards. They always had, like, fun social events surrounding it, too. So there'd be a happy hour so you could get to know everybody, even though we all already knew each other because it was all, like, our Circles. family friends that did it, yeah, in Austin. And so we all knew each other, but it was just, like, an excuse to get together and drink and party and have fun. Interesting. Okay, so... For the kids, anyway. <laughs> When you're in high school at the beginning, like, well, okay, was there, I read that there were, like, there's typically, like, a brunch dinner or something where you, like, pick out your escort and it has to be from, like, a pool of dudes. Is that true? No. So, I mean, sometimes you're assigned one. So, like, I think when we were younger, they were assigned. And I don't remember how they were assigned. It may have been totally based on height because visually it needs to look right when we're all standing clustered together um but then at the older ones like I got to choose my escort naturally I picked the hottest guy (laughs) could they say no (laughs) I don't know maybe but he did was he part of that (laughs) 
circle though? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so I think could you take from, like a commoner for lack of a better yes, word? Yes, I okay. think some people like used their boyfriends as their escorts okay. that weren't necessarily like involved in it, but I didn't have yeah, like one. Dean. So I was like, I'll just take the hottest guy available. Honestly, I, I would have done <laughs> the, the same thing. The pictures are great. Good, good photos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, aspiration. And also like, I bet there's so many funny like, you know, the, the kind of bad boy trope of like any teenage, you know, romantic comedy or sitcom where like the, the you pick the guy that doesn't fit in. He's like wearing a motorcycle Dan jacket. Humphrey. Yes, yes, exactly. Like that, that, <laughs> that's so funny to me of like, you have a guy with a different lifestyle and you bring him to this dead ball and you like need him to like, just act the part for the night. But he's like disgusted. I will say, I mean, I didn't, I don't think I ever had, I, I, I did have a serious boyfriend in college but for some reason, I don't think we were dating when I did these dead balls. Yeah. Like, we broke up before. I don't remember. Anyway, there was a reason he wasn't involved, but it wasn't because my mom was like, he can't be involved. Yeah. Maybe just, like, we're separating worlds. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I, was, I, I think you could in some cer- circumstances, but you couldn't in others. And, like, uh, the international ball, this is sort of – crazy also do you remember the show super sweet 16 yes of course (laughs) of course you (laughs) would you love that show or you love all of the reality shows Um, but my escort for that was actually Jacqueline Barquette's brother she was also in the international ball and so the pool that you could choose from I think was like people that were involved like family members I can't remember how it all worked because I didn't know him but then Interesting. She was in it, and so then he was my escort. He actually ended up going to prom with me, which is another. <laughs> Did he live in Texas? No, they lived in L.A. Did you date him? A little bit, briefly. S- Super Sweet 16 is just like a true gift to the world. Um, I'm trying to look up Jacqueline Marquette in the case I remember. Uh, no, but that, okay, so we'll get to the New York one. But I hope they don't mind me saying that stuff. But I'm sure they listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, sh- I know she follows me on Instagram, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, we may have to cut to this. <laughs> yeah, I can cut it. Uh, but, okay, so the, there's, I'm just like, I mean, everything about that show was the best. Somebody, like, had it, when I'm a Slave for You was popular, somebody, like, brought a banana snake out of their own okay, 16th birthday. It, hers was not like that. She's very <laughs> chic and is very polished and has great taste. It was usually, so. like, musicians' daughters on the show. I remember watching it, but I do not remember what the episode was about or, like, what they did. I am going to revisit that. Um, <laughs> well, I guess my confusion with the six um, years is I thought it was a thing you did once and you're presented to society. But I think that's... I guess my point is there are so many charities and so You're so many excuses to, to party. So like there's not, that's why you do it, but like helping hand was one bachelors was one. Um, there are some that I wasn't in like Fiesta in San Antonio where they do this like float parade. Um, they're, I mean, they're, they're different ones based on whatever charities. Interesting. Are, I actually you know. did not know that. I thought it was like you do it maybe once per circle so it's almost like the spelling bee where it's like your county then your district then your state then national then international I thought it kind of like had a tier of like you if you were eligible for like the bigger and bigger ones you'd go is that kind of what it's like no so you did mostly Texas it's simply like based on the organization okay so I so nothing competitive no 
Yeah. I mean, technically, yes. But it, again, comes down to, like, the monetary contribution yes. to the charity. Yes. So did you feel like the girl, like, you had fun friends? Like, was there a lot of bitchiness? They were, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> These are all girls that I like grew up with, like yeah. went to middle school and elementary school. Oh, okay. With, so like I knew all of them. Oh, that makes a difference. I wasn't sure if like you were kind of plucked from your environment to do this thing with a different tier of people or if your group was already no, there. Literally everyone was someone I knew. Oh, okay. Cool. So, yeah. So why do you remember like what's the, so there's one that they have in New York at the Waldorf, right? Yeah. And it's That's the big, like, inter- I think it's called the, the International. International Ball, yeah. Yeah, and I knew that one is specifically about military charities and actually rates, like, raises a ton of money for vets and stuff, which is very, which is great. Um, but it's, like, the one that has princesses people from all over to. the world, like princesses, yeah. like magnates, daughters, oil money. Like, it's it's kind of crazy. But um, I wasn't, I thought for that one you'd have to, like, at least apply or something, but I understand I now that it's like a charity thing. I, I, that one may be different. I'm not entirely sure what, again, I, I didn't apply. My mom and dad did for right. me on my behalf. Did so. your Texas friends go too though? My sister and I were the only ones the year that I went. And was it, how did you feel about the international one relative to the Texas ones? It was the big leagues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah was, was it more a, serious? Yes. Like there was a formal, like a formal hall where we were all received. So like yeah. we stood there and people came around and like shook our hands. It was very, it felt like I was in Buckingham Palace, like being. Like spe- speed dating, but like fancy. Like having a hop, having a walkabout, <laughs> but just standing still. Like people were coming by and meeting Oh, people walk. Oh. Yes. Like and of course, line. some people were more exciting than others. My sister and I were at the bottom of that list. There were like princesses and duchesses and like. Oil magnates' daughters and yeah. people that like mattered. <laughs> my sister and I were just like, "Here we are." <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted a hot escort. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you remember um, and like anybody that was at yours that you were like, "Damn, I'm in the big leagues." I mean, when you see the list of the people and it's like duchess or princess or right. yeah, that's exciting. But I didn't know who any of them were, so it wasn't like Prince Harry or something. <laughs> Right. If somebody's like, Sophie, Countess of Wessex, I'm right. not like, oh, my God, I right. love your work. Right. <laughs> you have no idea what it is. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't like of that nature, but it definitely we felt like the the, the little small fish in a big pond moment. Do you have like did you rage with those kids? Um, I mean, we went out. Like we, where, though? Where does a, where does a 16 like, year old go out? But we didn't like went out as an at the party it's like an all-night thing oh like and they a, have like an after party in another room of the hotel and that kind it. of thing but that one I was in high school so I'm sure I didn't like rage yeah like well, I did like, at the college ones <laughs> so I was gonna ask too like I mean you know as Jaquan said teen drinking is very bad very bad I did it um <laughs> and did you like was it kind of I feel like in was it kind of that unspoken thing where, like, obviously you're not going to the bar, but, like, people are drinking in the bathroom? Absolutely. Do you bring, like, airplane bottles and, like, put it in a Diet Coke? No, because we were all staying in the hotel. Um. And so, like, you just go up. Or, I mean, I don't remember exactly. Like, I don't want to say that my dad brought me alcohol, but I'm sure somebody did. 
Yeah. Like my sister, I think, was of drinking age at that point, so she probably got me some. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to get your sister to get you some Malibu or like 99 bananas. And my escort was of drinking age. The hot one? Yeah. He came... Well, no, the hot one... Well... They're both attractive, but the hot one was the one from later college. Oh, okay. Jacqueline's brother was my escort for In the international York. ball. Um, so, like, did you? I, I, I think I'm just. I'm the, I'm a, I'm a person that's very easily intimidated by people. I picture myself in this scenario either th- like having the time of my life or crumbling. Like nobody talks to you, or like these people are like a little bit like sequestered and like porcelain dolls and like they get to have fun finally. Well, the thing about this particular one is it's such a production that you like invite people to, cause you, you buy tables. So like my parents oh. bought a couple of tables and like my best friends, uh, families came to support us and obviously to like hang out in New York. Cause that's always fun. Go shopping and you know, do all of that. And so you sort of bring the party with you. Hmm. So like I hung out with mostly people that, came from Texas for the event to Got see it. us. Okay. But I mean, and I think that's kind of how everybody else did it. But like at the ones in Austin, we already know everybody. And so we're all just like partying together. And so you wore the same dress for six years. Yeah. And I like, still have it somewhere. Like preserved like a wedding gown? Probably. I'm sure my mom has it in a bag. I was kind of wondering if, because like any, theoretically any white dress could be a wedding dress yeah. but like yeah our I people... mean people actually bought wedding dresses I mean mine could have been a wedding dress but like I didn't I had it made and it wasn't did you wear a tiara rack. for certain ones was it real no I mean they're all like <laughs> fake you know they look fancy but no they're not like real diamonds <laughs> did you wear gloves uh for certain ones L- like elbow or hand like yeah I think we talked about this last time. Mid bicep. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a look. Yeah. That's a look that I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's it's so formal, but also when I learned that, like, well, this was the rumor at my cotillion, it was that, like, because the guy's hands get sweaty. So naturally, the women have to prevent that. That is the true, though. I, I will say they do get clammy hands. Yeah, when you're like, like when ballroom you're dancing, dancing and against stuff. your will. It's gross. <laughs> Did um, you ballroom dance? Kind of. I don't think it was like formal and that we had like a choreographed thing, but like you, d- after you bow, you go down to the dance. In a lot of the cases, you go down to the dance floor and there's like one dance where you dance with your escort and then you're free. Was it night. choreographed? No. Like it was just like swaying. But it, yeah, not grinding. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. That came later at the after party. Would you grind at the after party? Yes, absolutely. Like, do you think, I don't. I don't know if I'm just old now, but like it like it was such a thing to like just get down when we were younger. And I just don't know if people but dance like, like that anymore. It's, it's really hard to do in a dress like that. So like even if you were grinding, yeah. it's not like they're like, Merritt, stop doing the Texas dip. Yeah. Like <laughs> different, <laughs> different meaning yourself. to that. <laughs> That's uh well, I also too, I was like, maybe there's a bustle. Oh yeah, there's absolutely a bustle. There, uh, okay, so that's the difference between, like, I feel like most wedding dresses, at least today, and Deb dresses back then and now. The Deb dress is sort of a princess dress. Mm. So it's like most of the ones, I think most of the ones when I was doing it, they all kind of looked the same. Most of them were strapless or were going to be strapless Mm -hmm. and fitted at the top and then huge skirts. So just, like, bustles, lots of volume. Um, very princessy. That 
like, are you? Is that your vibe? What princess? Yeah, like I think some people like wedding dress wise too, like no. like a, like volume, and some don't. Well, I don't. I've not. I have not gotten married yet, so my tastes will probably. I mean, they'll yeah. change. I may not get married for thirty years, so <laughs> the trends could be different by then. Strapless is something I kind of stopped doing a while back. I, I always wonder if tube tops are going to come back. I hope not. Big I, boobs make it difficult. Yeah, it is. It's not great. Remember those American Eagle like um, rouge side reversible tube Rushing tops? Rouging never looks good on me. <laughs> it only looks good on people who have no curves. Are you really lamenting ruching? Not like who? I don't think ruching is like an ideal stage. I think ruching is like a thing you do to hide like. Well, anything <laughs> anything with texture or volume generally is not flattering on me. I feel the same. I don't wear a line. I feel annoyed <laughs> by shopping in general. Um, do, okay, what I'm I guess what I'm not clear on is like. You don't go into it with any objective other than just like having fun and essentially not embarrassing your family, not embarrassing not your family. Shame to the back. And family. the goal is just like, hey, I have a, I have daughters. They're like members of society. This is a great thing to do for charity. Let's have fun. You're not literally being presented to a pool of men. I mean, I think there's an underlying tone there yeah but it's not no like your parents never said like you, you must really meet, meet a one guy of these, i mean i feel like that's always being said <laughs> i mean it's being said to everybody people, yeah, people are sending mother. me unsolicited advice on instagram saying i should meet a guy so i mean if they're doing it trust me my family members are doing it too <laughs> well that's what i kind of wonder is like you know the the traditional dead balls are at an age when women would get married when our lifespan was like 34 right but so to do it now seems like so premature. So I would hope that the expectation isn't to marry you off. Also, I feel like at the time, a lot of the girls who were doing it had serious boyfriends. So yeah. no, I don't think that was the general plan. Okay. But I mean, just because that's how it always was, I feel like there's an underlying tone with those events yeah. to be that way. I mean, again, you're basically in a wedding dress. You're yeah. being paraded around. You have an escort. I mean... The idea is there, but it's not like you must be married by the end of whatever, whatever. I was kind of hoping it was like a sorority recruitment where it's like mutual selection and they'd come back to you and be like, okay. You weren't picked. <laughs> like Nathaniel, <laughs> Beauregard, and Benton are all interested. Like everyone picks their top three. I was reading something and they were kind of saying like, the thing with dead balls is like, they're long dead, but they'll never die. Like they're, the, the function isn't there, but the tradition and the motions are something people still like and will probably always do, I agree even though that. they take on a new meaning. And I thought that was a good way to put it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm curious of if there's any functional output. Aside from the charitable aspect, yeah. probably not. Interesting. Well, then no, it's because it's I think the, the, the iron, uh, not the irony, but like it was started for such a functional reason of like a literal surplus of right. women. And if people want to carry off the tra carry on the tradition, at least it's just like all going to charity, and it's just like a party and whatever. Right. I guess like the portrayal of those that stuff on television, like it almost is never presented as like just a fun and breezy charitable. It's whatever thing. Well, it is. It is stuffy. I mean, you they're like now presenting Merit Elizabeth of the House of Beck. Like that literally Mix happened. The House of Beck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, that literally house happened. of Beck, I guess. Wait, does that mean like my last name, like House of Windsor? 
Yeah. Technically, that's their last name. But, but like everybody goes by House of X. Yeah. That is so interesting. Not Again, not all of them do the same right. thing. But like some of them would pronounce or say that. And then you'd go out, do your bow, go down and wait for everybody to be done, do the dance, and then party. And then you, you like ditched your parents and like the kids had their own party? Kind of. Yeah. Um, and they partied with the, the with House of Beck. <laughs> you have a great name too. Thanks. That's uh, that's amazing. I mean, I like theoretically have a name that could be very society vibes. When I feel like when I go to Europe, people don't understand Kennedy is common. Yeah. And like Smith. Yeah. And they almost like think anybody in, from America who's a Kennedy is a Kennedy. And I really do feel like I've you gotten definitely use treatment. that to your advantage. I know. Right. Especially when you're traveling. I know. I uh, it like kind of makes me laugh. Champagne or something. <laughs> like, well, it's like the only thing it's ever done. Like one time I got like an upgrade from like a train, one train car to the other. And I was like, oh, I'll, yeah, take I'll take it. I'll take it. Wait. So did you ever say on the podcast like about where you went to college and stuff like I don't, I don't know. We didn't, I don't think we ever really did a bio. We just like, we I, went into I like write my blog blogs. Bio. Yeah. Can you give us like a, a life bio? Sure. Um, I was born and raised in Austin. I went to a lot of different high schools. And then I think we talked a little bit about like my boarding school life, but it may have been no, off air. No, we did not. Yeah, n- yeah, no, because I had yes, purple hair. It, no, it was not on air. <laughs> oh, I thought. You, wait, do you, I mean, do you mind reminding the class? Okay, so <laughs> sure. Hi, me again. Well, like the same person from the beyond. Um, I just wanted to shout out our second sponsor. You know, what's weird, too. As I'm sitting here, I'm like, why have I never used a segue of before we get into the meat of the discussion? Let me tell you about ButcherBox, because that makes a ton of sense. You guys know I love ButcherBox. Honestly, ButcherBox is pretty much the entirety of my quarantine stash. My husband and I are in a real pork phase right now. That sounded gross. Um, but we, uh, <laughs> eating like pork chops or pork like tenderloin, it just wasn't in my like cooking repertoire. And now we're favoring it over even steak. But it's probably quality based because honestly, I've not really had like pork made in my home that tasted this good. What's awesome about ButcherBox, they believe everyone deserves high quality, humanely sourced meat. And it just shows up at your door and we never have anything in the house to cook for dinner. And I'm so grateful to always have meat in the freezer. It's it's a one less trip to the grocery store for me. It's made us be a little bit more creative in figuring out what dishes to make. And they have quality standards. They, they, they're, you know, 100% grass fed and finished beef, free range organic chicken, heritage breed pork, wild caught salmon. Um, it, the quality is unparalleled. The expense of these items at grocery stores is extremely high and the um you know regulations to call something grass-fed for example are extremely murky and you might not even know that you can feed something one blade of grass and then corn for the rest of its life but you can still call it grass-fed that's why we have to look for things like grass finished learned a lot through butcher box and it's a company that sends you nine to eleven pounds of meat 24 individual meals Per month, a curated selection of the high-quality meats I just mentioned. It's free of antibiotics and added hormones. It's packed fresh, shipped frozen, and vacuum-sealed and stays that way. And you can customize your own box or go with one of theirs. Um, It's an incredible company. It's affordable and convenient. It nets out at around $6 a meal, and they even have free shipping nationwide except Alaska and Hawaii. Um, and they're every month they like send me their special offer and it's always something like better than the last. And right now 
ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life. That's two pounds of ground beef in every single box for the life of your subscription, plus $20 off your first box. If you go to butcherbox.com slash be there in five or enter promo code be there in five at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash be there in five spelled like the show F-I-V-E, not the number or enter promo code be there in five at checkout for two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription plus $20 off your first box. Trust me, especially in these, especially in these trying times, you're not going to regret having extra food in the freezer and you will not feel guilty because the quality is honestly incredible and we absolutely love it. Thanks. So I went to a private school from first through eighth grade and was terribly bullied while I was there. So oh, very right. small class. Why were you bullied? Um, my mom always thinks it's because I was like an entire year younger than everybody else. Uh-huh. There were a couple of people that were just like, they were just like known to be mean. Yeah. Um, and it it was me and there were a couple of other girls that they were really mean to. Yeah. Um, and so at, after eighth grade, there was St. Andrews has an upper school. That's where I went to elementary and middle school. And my sister went all the way through and I was like, fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm getting out of here. So, oh my God. Yeah. Um, and so then the first semester of high school, I went to McCallum because they were supposed to have this really nice arts magnet program. I used to sing. Um, and so we wanted to kind of find a place that would foster that talent. Yeah. Um, it ended up being a really bad fit. I like got in with a bad crowd and started just like not going to class at all. Um, pretty much failed out. And so my mom and dad sent me to um, Idlewild Arts Academy in California. So more singing. Okay, more yeah. singing. That's where I dyed my hair purple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was when my mom was like, nope, she's coming back to Austin. <laughs> Can't disappoint the family. <laughs> so back in Austin I go. Um, and then I ended up at Westlake High School, which is sort of like, it's sort of like a private school, but it's a public school. Like it's really competitive. The sports are really good. The academics are really good, but it's still like a big public school. And I really found found what I was looking for there because yeah. I found like I like at McCallum wasn't I was the best one in the choir and so I I really thrive on like competition and being the best and because I was easily the best it like yeah. wasn't a good fit and then boarding school was just like a disaster because I was just like doing whatever I wanted and I came you were back, away from home yeah do you it's like a freedom I'd never <laughs> I'd never but, experienced. But don't you feel like boarding school is for kids that like misbehave? Well, not an arts boarding school. It uh. wasn't like a military boarding school. It was like a free spirited. Like my my roommate was Moon Sun Chai. She was Korean. It was the first time I was ever introduced to Korean food. I've loved Asian food Delicious. ever since. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it was a really cool school, but I just, I think I needed a little more structure than that. Yeah. And like McCallum didn't give me that, Idlewild didn't give me that, and Westlake gave me that. It was very much like the choir teacher when I auditioned, like I had to audition to get into the choir. Oh. And she was like, you don't know how to read music. You can't be in my choir if you don't read music. And I was like, well, then I guess I'll learn to read music. And I taught myself how to read music within like six months. <laughs> yeah. It often is, the kids that kind of act out are often the ones not that like are maybe uh, like they're they're smart and they're at or above the level of their grade and they're like a smidge bored. Well, I was just super ADD too, like okay. all growing up. So that was that was probably the main issue going to. I keep almost knocking this water over. Um, <laughs> moving it over. Um, 
that was the problem with me going to McCallum. I also had switched medications. I was on Adderall forever, and then they put me on like Wellbutrin or something, and it did nothing. And well, so then an I was just like, "Put right? it, yeah, <laughs> <I was> right. <laughs> like, did whatever." And then I got back on. I think I was on Concerta after that. My mom, I hope she didn't listen to this. She's gonna be like, "Why are you spilling all of this info?" Um, I was on Concerta after that, and that was like the best for me. But. Um, I went to Westlake and did really well. I was like an all-state choir and everything. Um, and that was junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. I I got there sophomore year, but it really wasn't until like junior senior year when I like really figured it out and like did well. Do you feel like freshman year you just like come from a place of like a lack of acceptance and then too much acceptance? Like you almost were just like so free and living your life, being in a place where you weren't kind of stifled by people being mean I don't I don't really know I feel like for a while and like even at Westlake I fell into a bad crowd for a bit I think I I don't know I've always just like liked meeting new people and I guess I can be too trusting of people and I don't know I if you're nice to me I'll be friends with you like I'm not not like a you don't have to be a certain way to be friends with me kind of person um and I that allowed me to fall into some uh, tricky spots. Um, yeah, where the people around you, it, it becomes normal that they're like, yeah, d- like partying like insanely for high schoolers. Right. Um, but then I went to SMU and things were great. I almost went to ASU, which I think would have been a total disaster because SMU is known as being a party school, but not on the same level. I think there was still a level of structure. I think if I'd gone to a big school, it would have been lights out. Like, well, you're so really I, you're so together and structured and organized, and like everything about you just doesn't it doesn't indicate a person that would ever have trouble finding their footing in that sense. And which I think is an interesting tale, especially for parents listening. It's like it is a lot of uh, the, the, the crowd you're a part of. Like, I feel like I, I too, am kind of malleable, mm-hmm. and I am often a, a function of the crowd I, I fall adapt. into. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very much an adapt, adaptable personality, um, and so I've always done well in a variety of environments. Like, I mean, not to be silly about it, but like at one point I was like a skater punk, and now I'm like, tell me, I went out. <laughs> Did you wear checkered Vans? Uh, yes, I had those. Yes, I had Converse. I mean, I dyed my hair purple. Like I like Hot Topic vibes. No, not that bad. It was more just like ripped jeans and like like Avril Lavigne. Kinda, yeah. I loved her music. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so did you get into, like, Dashboard and stuff? Like, were you into email music? Oh, my gosh. In high school, uh, Alt Nation, I guess, wasn't around, but 101X was the radio station in Austin. It was all, like, the alt alt hits. Yeah. Postal service. Postal service. I mean, that that band, y'all. That makes me laugh. No, but, I mean, you would never guess that looking at me now. No. That's why I think this is more interesting than you probably even realize because – a, I think that uh, we all have our stuff from life that, like, you're just like, what was I thinking? What was I doing? You almost, you, you, it's like a version of you that's there, but you didn't know better or, like, know how to, like, identify what was and was in a good situation. Like, when I was younger, I just wanted to be, like, accepted and cool. And Liked. if somebody that was more popular than me even looked my direction, I would have done anything, anything they said. Their approval, yeah. And... It's weird because I don't. I, I don't feel that way now. I don't at feel all. that way now at all. Like I totally. If you don't, I mean, 
Now, criticism, if criticism comes my way in the form of like a mean DM or something, not, I don't like that. And like, yeah. I'll tell you and I'll share it, which I shouldn't do. But as far as like, like those people, like the people in high school, like I'm certainly friendly and nice to that, not high school, but like elementary school. I see them often. Like yeah. if they're not people I'm going to escape because our families are all still friends. But I mean, we're not close and there's yeah. a reason for that. So right. I, and I don't really care what they think of me now because I feel like I'm doing really great stuff and like what they're doing doesn't matter <laughs> to me. So I was going to ask you that because I feel like I kind of got nudged out of my high like like I have friends from like childhood I'll be like friends with forever but my high school like core girl group I feel like I kind of got nudged out because I was like the one that moved away and like for a variety of other reasons and I feel like at Thanksgiving and stuff I'll like see them all meeting and it like stings a bit because there's still a part of me that's like I know I'm still an outsider I'm still an outsider no matter what I do so did you okay so SMU Remind me if you were in a soror- sorority. Oh, yes. Kappa Alpha Theta. Have we ever talked about this? Because you were, no, you were Kappa Delta, right? I was Kappa Delta, okay. but we haven't podcasted since so the sorority phenomenon. So I don't know what if I've ever heard about your, phenomenon? The like I did a two-part episode about oh, sororities. Oh, sorry. I was like, what phenomenon? <laughs> like, well, did like, I miss something? <laughs> in terms of it, it it being a thing that I now ask people, oh, like, because okay. it became like such a part of my podcast was like talking about like bumping and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Like I, I loved being in a sorority. And I guess, again, it was like feeling like I belonged somewhere. And I, most of my best friends now are friends that are from college, from my sorority. I bet the SMU recruitment process does not mess around. Oh, we're um, boom, boom. Those thetas are the best. <laughs> boom, boom, better than all the rest. Boom, boom. And we had cowboy boots and we did the stomp. I mean, it was a whole charade. Like boom, I lost boom. my voice every year during Rush Week. I was screaming my lungs out. And I you loved liked, Rush. Oh my god, you liked it. <laughs> well, I liked. I'm super outgoing, so I loved yeah. meeting all the girls and, like, wanting them to – the ones I wanted. I <laughs> wanted certain ones. Yeah. And I was, like, all about trying to get them in the house. Like, I wanted them to join. It was very disappointing when some of them would didn't and, like, chose another house because they were legacies. But I was a legacy, so what can I say? But Of Theta? Yes. My mom was at Theta at Texas, and my sister was actually sitting in-house at SMU when I went through Rush. So did you there feel was like not you a had chance no choice? I got – I got cut from everything, <laughs> like, the first you day. You did? Yeah, because I was definitely going to be a Theta. Like, I'd made friends with Thetas. Everyone was aware. They already knew that you yes. were. So we have a full semester where we get to know people before we do Rush, whereas a lot of colleges like Texas does theirs before school even starts in the fall. Mm. So, like, I made friends. And, mm. like, they target you. So people that they want, they start hanging out with you. Or it's called dirty rushing. I mean, <laughs> I yeah, but it, it wasn't. Like, everybody just, you partied with them. And then... Yeah, I was cut from everybody, <laughs> except for, like, not good ones at the end. But, like, it, my decision was easy, so. It's good that you knew it was, it was for a reason, though, right? Right. I mean, I was a little disappointed because I would have liked to go to, like, Pi Fi or Kappa on Pref Night just because. Yeah. I, I mean, just to, like, not, not be invited. That's not fun. Right. Um, but I always knew I was going to be a Theta just because of all that. Interesting. So So did you like, when you went through the recruitment process, it's like different every school and you don't have to like tell me any details, but like, I think my favorite stories or are like just the craziness of like people being like, 
you know, a girl wearing one David Yerman bracelet and her sorority sister having a meltdown because, like, they're meant to be stacked. Like, oh, no. these, like, small things about, like, appearance. Like, you had to wear Spanx. They would check your dress no. for Spanx. Like, no. a lot of Southern schools. I mean, the worst stories I had ever heard were from Bama. And I never said where the school was on that episode. But, like, Southern schools are way more intense about recruitment. I don't know now, but like even when I was in, we you know, the entire premise is you go behind closed doors and you talk about a bunch of girls and it like right. it's a little but bit it's weird. But it's all I mean, honestly, it's all stuff that they come to school with or things that happen during that first fall semester. Yeah. So like if a girl sleeps with your boyfriend, probably blackballed. <laughs> like there are certain so you, things it, like it that. It wasn't like appearance based or anything like too catty that no, you were like with. It was, no, it was more just like I saw her yelling at other people or, like, she doesn't, I mean. Dancing on an elevated surface. Well, no, I mean, we all did that. I mean, who are we, who are we kidding? <laughs> we all did that. No, it was, it was more serious stuff. Like, it, was, it really wasn't, like, surface-level Interesting. Bullshit. That's yeah. surprising. Um, I mean, Why I, in my head is SMU, like, the token, like, there's something in my head about, like, SMU, like because almost like a Southern stereotype. Millionaires University. I mean, it's okay, a lot it's, of rich people. Is it private? Yes. Oh, okay. It's Southern um, Methodist, correct? Yes, but it, it's not affiliated with the church anymore. But, and it's just a small school. I mean, there, you cannot be Greek and like do okay, but like everybody's Greek. Yeah. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't been in a sorority and like had only done the choir. I ended up changing majors like halfway through freshman year because my teacher was like, you can't be Greek. And I was like, bye. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> not going to go through college career. here. Seriously. <laughs> I stopped because, and I, I didn't like it anyway. I didn't like the choir program, but um, I wasn't not going to go through Rush because she didn't want me to. Like I, that's like a vital, that was a vital part of going to SMU was the Greek system. Yeah, I feel like it's very, like, even my knowledge of it is, like, goes hand in hand. Yeah. But, so, were you ever an officer? No, I was a troublemaker. <laughs> See, guys, I'm, I'm sure you're all shocked. Like, I, I think, Mar- you just, you seem so I'm not, t- like, a troublemaker. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> Please. It's not off the record now, I guess. Um, all my friends are going to laugh when they hear this. My friend Rachel loves you. Uh, please leave us oh, in. Oh, shout out so to Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> Go Theta. Uh, <laughs> Rush Theta. Um, no, f- freshman year, I was really interested in this guy, and we were like, ta- we were hanging out and talking, and I, would, I was telling this girl that I'd made friends with, who was also a Theta, um, that I was really interested in him. And I can't remember like the full sequence of events, but... She told me one night, like, she was crying. She was so visibly upset about it. And she was like, I'm dating so-and-so. The guy you liked? Yes, that I'd been talking about for, like, weeks. But she, like, didn't. <laughs> also, Ella, that you're like, uh, weeks. You know, but <laughs> I'd, like, like oh. literally been like, I really like this guy. If she'd oh, no. liked him and said that, I'd been like, oh, okay. Like, it, right, but then right. she acted like she didn't know who I was talking about. And then they, like started dating and I just was not into it. And then one night, (laughs) here we go. One night at one of the formals, I was really drunk and she came in and like, and I can't remember if she like started talking to me or what, but I ended up shoving her. (laughs) Merit. I shoved somebody at a horse race once. No, but to be fair, it was, I was so drunk. It was more just like a, like, Get her, out of my face. Kind of. But like, I got in trouble. <laughs> I was brought in front of the development board. <laughs> Is that standards? Yes. 
And they were like, Merit, you're here Get by your shit together. You're accused of <laughs> shoving, a, shoving a sister. <laughs> was she like in your face? No. I, I just was really drunk and I was upset because she was dating him and I was not. <laughs> Did you have a date to that formal? Uh, I'm sure it was like any formal. Not memorable. I didn't ever take, I feel like I never took dates to formals. Because like, it wasn't your boyfriend. Like, I'm not going to take, like, my neighbor. I just, I, pr- loyalty is one of my biggest things mm-hmm. in friendship. Mm-hmm. And if you're not loyal to me, then we cannot be friends. And that was the epitome of that, was her not telling me, like, I don't know. It, it was out of nowhere after I'd been talking about it for weeks. I don't know. I just, I, and I she still hadn't remember been, it fully She hadn't been dating him so for in, weeks. No. Oh. She did not know him. Oh, yeah. That's like such a hallmark of women under 25 is chicks before dicks until like the dicks interested in the chick. And you're like, maybe. Maybe, yeah. (laughs) And he was hot. But this is the best part of the whole story, y'all. I ended up seeing him after we all graduated. Like he was still in Dallas. She'd moved away. I don't remember where. Like they broke up after like six months, of course. But um, I ended up running into him and he asked me out. We went out on a date and I halfway through the date, I was like, can't fucking believe I'm like sitting here with this guy he like had a swagger walking down the street I was like he's such a loser what was I thinking like this whole time and the guys I was interested in freshman year were abhorrent like I would never date them now and so it's just like funny to look back that I was angry about it but he was really hot well it's funny to look back on that stuff because you realize how much grown out of it a projection (laughs) too it's not a it's actually seldom about the guy and it's more about, like, you were probably into that guy, sure. But then you were so hyper-focused on the, the person she betrayed me. Yeah. yeah. But also, it's funny you say that because I, whenever I watch Housewives, I always say to Greg, like, they always, like, brag about, they're like, loyalty is everything to me. And, like, they always say that. <laughs> and I'm true. like, But I'm like, well, yeah, it is to most people. Like, I think we all want that. But, like, also, I think I have trouble defining it in a sense. Of like that, if that is your that quality is paramount to you, like that just means you don't go behind your back. You don't like you, you don't lie. You don't try and get with a guy you know your friends interested in. You're on your in. team. I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, I feel like the bros before hoes, chicks before dicks thing. I feel like that's a pretty reasonable thing to request. Like, I would never hook up with one of my friends, like obviously boyfriends or anything, yeah. but people they're interested in like if you know they're interested why would why would you bother well do you feel similar similarly about fries before guys or no like food (laughs) that's like this quote that has become like it's like pinteresty everyone's like fries before guys i mean (laughs) that's clearly my motto since i have way more fries than no guys that's why i think gen zers are on the right side of history because I think we were very chicks before dicks and everyone on Instagram now is like very food oriented but I agree that like I I I feel like I would have never crossed that line as a person fundamentally I can't sleep at night just fucking someone over yeah but when people do it to you it's shocking yeah and it, and I you know I have like a yeah I have a roster in my head of people that I'm just like that have that I'm, you've perceived yeah, it's been have 12 wronged years, you twelve years I'm like and seriously I, <laughs> and like I know me shoving somebody when I was drunk is just not acceptable behavior but like I was drunk and I was angry and she was not a good friend yeah and there's a reason we're no we're not friends so. no it's wild to think back on those things you're almost like out of body yeah 
I mean, uh, I don't even remember doing it, but of course I heard about it a lot later. Well, it could be a girl on the train and situation. <laughs> no one crossed me ever, ever after that. <laughs> you know, maybe you were onto something. I honestly feel like that is like, uh, I don't know. It's like, yeah, obviously we don't condone physical violence. violence. <laughs> um, but I shoved somebody at a horse race once for I a very similar that, reason. No, like, you know, you've gone to like horse races, right? Is that mid-Atlantic? But like you, so you like wear a lily dress and you like, but like I never actually saw a horse. Um, Lily is like camouflage for white people. It's like, no, Lily is like a Northeast thing. There were some people that came to SMU. You didn't wear Lily? No, I would never. Shut up. I would think it's the most Texas-y thing ever. I mean, I like some of the stuff that's like all white, but like the, I cannot deal with like a pastel print like that. So you wouldn't have liked my bubblegum pink dress with pineapples on it? I, I would not have spoken <laughs> to you. <laughs> Obviously, I looked so different. I borrowed it from my little Claire who ate the muffins. I can't imagine you wearing something like that. I can't either. This is why I had an identity crisis until I was But that's because I, I know 24. you in the Reformation era. Or yeah. It, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Okay. No, Did I, I quote that correctly? <laughs> I am. I literally had no uh, sense of self till I was maybe 23 or 24. It, it took me a long time. I mean, I wore a bunch of weird shit, but... That was not ever one of the things. That's okay. So, but like, what was your Southern girls want to look nice? There's like a vibe, and it's often like pearls and lily. That just wasn't the vibe. I mean, there were some girls like from Connecticut that I went to school with that definitely wore it, but that was not the overall vibe. I mean, the Kappas would always be in like polos and white jeans or skirts, um, pearls, of course. Uh, yeah. I always felt like I was wearing like a floral dress and a giant belt. Per, yeah, under, per the times. Under boob belt. Yes, a thick under time. boob belt. I, I was a big fan of like the floral dress, like mini dress at the time. Now I'm more of a midi dress gal, but uh, mini dress at the time or like a white dress. It was always a dress. I always felt more comfortable in a dress. With cowboy like, boots? No. You never wore cowboy boots? Not really. I'm not sure that's the thing people do. I think they, I mean, they do, but I just didn't. Did you have a side bang? Yes. I can see you 100%. with the side bang. I have so many pictures. Like a slightly straightened, hair straightener, fried well, side bang. <laughs> this is another funny rush situation. Literally the week before rush, I cut my own bangs. My mom was so mad at me. <laughs> cut my own bangs. They were really bad. Did you? So you cut yourself a full bang. You wanted like a Kristen Cavallari side I went, bang. No, I went with like a Stepford wife bang. For a while. Oh. The week before Rush. My mom was so mad. <laughs> I mean, honestly, so up until now, you've told me a lot, and I've been like, yeah, that's semi-destructive behavior, but bangs the week before Rush is super destructive behavior. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I could have been cut right away. No, I have people respond. That's really funny. Um, no, I just think it's, I think that, um, or like even uh, what I've learned about so many people I've interviewed is that like, I think a lot of women, especially like in our age range, there's such a sensory special aspect of like high school and college that you kind of don't revisit that people like love to hear about because I think that like it was such a different time and now kids are so like cool and like with it and they're doing the things that like we're doing that maybe they'll regret it. But like I just feel like that millennials uh, high school and college time is like very um, it's almost not this isn't the right word. It's pure in a sense because it was halfway between technology and being kind of like un- inaccessible. And a lot of like the charm was in like being texted or called by guys. You'd put your number on your away message. You kind of like went out and you were out. You weren't distracted. Like girls nights were like expediting friendships because y- you had this like 
I don't know. I, I, I almost look back on that time so charmingly, even with the bad times, because I do think it's different now in that you can get attention from your phone. You can get like you can become famous on TikTok in your like our like, slumber party still a thing. Like our slum, I don't know. Like those things are like so pure and sweet to me that I don't know if people still do. But were they? Well, so pure and sweet. Those bitches, the same ones I talked about earlier, <sighs> drew on me in Sharpie because I was the first one to fall asleep. Oh, but Merritt, you can't be the first one to fall asleep. I always fall asleep <laughs> first. Uh, they were they, so mean. Uh, fr- did they freeze your bra? I don't know. Did you play light as a feather, stiff as a board? Yeah. I mean, we did all of those things. Don't you think that's funny, too? Like, like who in America, like, spread that rumor that we all, you did that in Austin, like the, I did that in short fingers, pump. right? Yeah. <laughs> Where did we get that information? It's like the Ouija board. Ouija boards, I feel like my mom never condoned, so I was, like, never allowed to have one. Um, but the only thing that really scared me was, like, that Bloody Mary thing in the mirror. Did you ever I, do that? No, but tell me, and I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs> you would say, like, Bloody Mary, like, uh, and eight she times, appears and she something? would appear. But, like, honestly, Someone it's, would just it's like your you. reflection. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think what happens is your eyes adjust to the light. And like you, in, but you're in pit, a pitch black in front of a no, mirror. No, I hate it already. Oh, I sorry. hate it. <laughs> don't be scared. I'm it's sleepover culture. But no. I'm staying alone in an Airbnb. If I don't, if I don't make it out alive, because Bloody Mary came. We're for invited me. to the sleepovers. That's a big step. Even <laughs> Probably, if you fell asleep first. I'm sure my mom didn't force this, but I'm sure I was. For, people were forced to invite me. That is actually that's like the a very difficult place to be. To be fair, like the. Girl politics when you're younger are so real. Because my mom so wasn't going to, like, do any – she wasn't going to try and intervene. Here's the problem. They can't because – It causes it, more It causes trouble. more trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think about this all the time. It's like I have this issue where if somebody's doing something to somebody I love, I, I, like, I have to swoop Go in. Go I, yeah. I insert myself. To, it's, like, prob- almost problematic, problematically so. And um, as a parent – I don't know how you would figure that out without making your kid's life worse. But like as a person that needs justice, I like it would kill me if that was happening. But like it's also, you know, part of life. It's like some of it's part of life. Some of it is it's, unnecessary. It's, yeah. If it's unnecessary, you if you can't change the situation, you change the location, which is what I did. Right. So that's true. And do you feel like looking back, though, it was kind of like the right thing in general? Like it was good for you to have... To I, adapt to new environments. I think I am the way that I am now because I was bullied. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm I don't rely on other people for happiness. I feel like yeah. I'm more independent because of it, which I think is good as an adult. I'm certainly the opposite of codependent. Um I have amazing friends now. I feel like I've um been better about seeking out the right kind of friends. Yeah. Um but you know. Bullying is not right, and I don't think people should do it. No, of course not. It's a, I think it's a thing too that people have trouble if you're like older and well adjusted, like believing that it happened. But also, honestly, good for you because I don't think a lot of people's response would be like, "Let me thrust myself into a new environment and start all over." But I was des, I mean, desperate. It was. It wasn't just like, oh, I was like bullied every Thursday. It was like incessant torture. That's wild. It's just like mean girl politics. In yeah. a tiny school, there were 60 people in our class. There were like five girls that were like the most popular, and then everybody else was sort of under that. But I don't know if it's because I was 
the youngest or I don't know if I was just like zany or what, if I was, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't think I'm that weird. Like I feel like I'm outgoing and fun and all that stuff. But, but like sometimes I think a clean slate is like the best thing you can do. For sure. I mean, I, yeah. Are you looking for something? No. Oh, I thought you were like signaling me. No. Oh, cool. <laughs> I just do weird shit with my hands. I don't know. It's like, I uh, said this a little bit at the live show and it's like not the biggest deal. Um, but as it relates to like, talking about the royals for a second one i had this moment where i was like i almost feel like megan's british vogue forces of change cover was like um foreshadowing because she is the ultimate force of change and change is her brand and i think like that is what she wants to do and what she cares about doing and i would argue that like this is a function of scrutiny and whatnot but i also think that like she very much is committed to um being a, a a a person in history that made move the needle. Oh, I believe that a hundred percent. So I feel like that kind of, I kind of at the beginning was like, she was pushed out. Yeah. But I think I, I kind of stepped back a little and I was like, I think it's a balance of Harry's a person that has hated the, the press, the Royal Rotas yeah. his whole life. He had somebody come in who validated his feelings and who made him be able to see a life outside. Right. Because she had one. Because she had one. Yeah. And um, I think what's so interesting is like when you actually, it's, I almost saw it as a Venn diagram. Like when you read the um, the Sussex Royal website, it's it's pretty much all financial. And it's like, okay, if one Venn diagram circle is media scrutiny and one Venn diagram circle is financial, the center point is the scrutiny they got for using public funds. And I feel like they thought that this would eliminate the most amount of needless media scrutiny about how they're using those funds. Well, and they're not, they're not they're, at all. And they're now. not anymore, yeah. right? And I think that they were like, this is the right intersection of issues of where we won't use the funds. We can like do a little bit more of what we want, do what we want. And, and also we won't you. get scrutiny for the funds. Right. And I almost was like thinking, cause I was looking back on her like bad press and it was like, how much is her outfit, the private jets, the baby shower? It's like the Frogmore Cottage. Like, it was a lot of money stuff. Yeah. And I am. I guess I'm interested to see, like, if they're not going to nitpick on that, is it going to die down or is it going to get worse? Well, I mean, I don't think the scrutiny is ever going to go away. I feel like, right. especially right now, immediately following all of this, like, the Daily Mail has... I even there's nothing new has come out no and they're still like pushing out new stuff every day just trying to make a story happen um and I I don't think I think the scrutiny on the money thing even if there is scrutiny it doesn't matter because it's not they're not using taxpayer funds except for security like right. if they're going out all the time and using security maybe right but not if clear on, they're, nobody's clear on the security part no I'm not sure what's gonna happen with that but I mean, you can't really scrutinize it if they're... I mean, again, they can scrutinize, but it doesn't really matter because they're not using public funds. And weren't you kind of surprised once you looked at the data of public funds, how small of a percentage it was? Only 5% of their income... Came from the sovereign grant. Yeah, sovereign grant. But then that doesn't mean they're not going to get money from Charles. 
But the Duchy of Cornwall, Cornwall, which is like a weird is word. his I hate private. It. <laughs> it's it, it, it's like I know that word is so I, stupid. I, I agree. So I hate it too. The Duchy of Cornwall is is his like private investment Estate, portfolio. Yeah, but that is that he inherited. But it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not public funds. It's not public funds. Right. So I. I mean, money. Like aside from security, I don't really care what they do with their money, and I I don't feel like anybody else should either. Now that they're not using the public funds, yeah. Um, I'm more interested to see what they're gonna do with this notoriety. Like, are they gonna do a Netflix deal, or are they actually gonna focus more on their charitable efforts? Because part of me thinks they're gonna try and do both, and I don't know how that's gonna work. Oh, they are gonna do, yeah. The, to make money, they have the to do speaking bigger book deal than the Obamas. Net- oh, for sure. But I mean, and I think that's great, but what are they going to, like, what are they allowed to talk about? Like, what was in the deal that they made with the queen? There's got to be some level of restriction on what they can say. That's interesting. That allowed them to do this at all, right? That's interesting. Well, I I mean, I think that, like, I was reading that they're, they're trying to make it seem like, I guess what I'm not clear on is, are you only forced with within the confines of calling yourself a senior member like a a royal by trade like a working royal if you're not a working royal do you have rules I feel like they still do I would assume they do and that's a good point because I was kind of thinking yeah they'll do like otherwise the queen would have been like we're no longer associated with them at all if they were going to go out and do whatever they wanted right I feel like they still have things that they have to get approved I don't know, though. I, I think that this is why this is a big deal, because if you're financially independent, like when I... Like I, those people doing the milk commercials, the different um, Diana's niece and other people that are technically... Yes, yeah, right. Like yeah. doing the milk commercials, like what what is off limits? But I feel like there's got to be something. There's got to be like some hard limit. Right? I I don't think so. I honestly think that like the... Um, your like property of the commonwealth or you're not or whatever and like and now that they're not they can do whatever they it's want it's wide open and i think that's why people be- largely view it as being like a more selfish endeavor because um, they can make more money than they ever would have been able to staying under the wing of the royal family which i get well and that's that's like the argument against it it's okay uh it, which is fair i mean i you can think how you want one on one side the perception is the uh, Meghan and Harry, A, devaluing um, the royal family and B, commercializing it. And I do, like I said earlier, there is an element of Meghan wanted to be as big as she is now. She's as big as she is now and isn't allowed to leave her house. That would kill her. It would kill me. And like, as we saw with the press, like the emails about her were like, she wakes up at five and writes emails. I would too. I am not meant to sit. She can't stand up for herself. I would not be able to not stand up for myself if someone was attacking me every single day for things that whether they are or not true, we don't, we'll never really know. Right. But I mean, to not be able to have a voice at all, that would be really impossible for me. And Clearly, it's hard for her. Like, we know that she had a strong voice before she met Harry. She's always kind of known herself in that way. And I don't see her stopping anytime soon. I mean, that's, I think, one of the main reasons. Totally. And I left. And I think the other thing that became more clear to me in recent weeks as I read more about this, because I was always kind of, like, not understanding the rift and, like, whatever. But when you kind of look at the timeline of, like, okay, they announced November 2018. They were getting engaged. That oh, that was seventeen. 
17. So November 2018 was we're leaving Kensington Palace. We're going to Frogmore. Yes. And then she goes out on, she's like parades out when one of her only street outfits with um, her Christian, the press secretary in Notting Hill. And then March, they announced that House of Sussex splitting from Kensington Royal. Christian, the press secretary, goes with the Cambridges. This is when press goes ham on Megan, which I don't think is a coincidence. And as you I was saying at the live out? show that I read in like one of these like bottom of the barrel blogs that Dan Wooten, the guy that re- like releases all of her articles that are like about her baby shower and how much she spends and on the Daily Mail. Th- yeah, yeah. Or on the Sun. Sorry. Oh, okay. part of the, he's part of like the Royal Rota. Yeah. Yeah. And on the Sun, his um, his articles are all like I think I wrote some of them down. Um they are the baby shower annoys me because she didn't pay for it. The the co- the cost issue there, I just like her. Fr- yeah, all her a, friends all paid for the it. I don't, I don't people care. in the world were I don't there. care how much it costs. She didn't spend the money, so that well, that's to me, yeah. None of it matters. That's yeah. kind of the point too. Like he's the one that said it was idiotic for her to be to guest edit British Vogue and like tore her apart when like Charles had like guest edited Country Living or something like Town and Country, one of those. And like Kate he said, did it like four years Kate ago. Did it, yeah. And um, he he was the one that released like reports that the Queen wouldn't let her use her jewelry. He was the one that reported that she hired on uh, in 2018 um, Sunshine Sachs, that crisis management company. He labeled it as that, but actually it's a it's a PR firm that like represents J-Lo and Justin Tim- You know what I mean? Like it's a big PR firm, but the- he chose to write about it as crisis management. It's for pervs and pedos. Yeah. It's like Michael Jackson and like Harvey Weinstein, which was like such a slant. The w- thing where, um, you know, the, the Charlotte's uh, dress at the wedding, like Megan yelled at Kate. Uh, the And then he's the one that dropped in mid-March the day after um, it was announced that Sussex and Kensington were breaking off. A story drops from this guy, Dan Wooten, that uh, Will and Harry can't stomach working together and that their charity is no longer working out either, which they, of course, split in June of, like, the Royal Foundation. But do you think that has to do with... Because you said it was the press secretary went with Cambridge's. Do you think Megan and him had a falling out? I think that he went with Cambridge and he started planting stories about Sussex. Everything following March he's ever said about Megan is wildly negative. He hasn't said a peep about Kate except one article in March or April where he – it was kind of trying to get ahead of the – But Dan m- and the press secretary are not the same person. No, they're friends. Oh. And that's – and when I was reading about how, like, they're buddies and then I looked up the press stories, up until the press secretary worked with Megan, there wasn't a lot there – they sever ties. The house is split. This guy goes ham on Megan and not on the Cambridges. That's yeah. the friend of the press secretary that went with so the Cambridges. He, but it sort of makes you I wonder. I think he's a leak. Well, I'm sure, but it sort of makes you wonder if she and the press secretary had a falling out. If oh, Megan yeah. and him. Oh, yeah. I think that's it's both of those things. Yeah. I think that she wanted to bring in American counsel, and I think she wanted to use people she used before. And, and they trusted. just yeah. And they and they were offended. And also, I think that like um, the, like, I don't know. I think fierce defenders of the status quo just think anything and everything disruptive is such a, a problem. problem. Right. And, um, I just looking at this guy's articles, I was like, there's a clear bias point in time where he becomes enraged by Megan. And it's kind of when his friend gets fired by her. And I went to Christian Jones LinkedIn to verify. And it says, Press secretary for the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Duke and Duchess of Sussex 
up until March 2019. And then, and it, then it says Cambridge. just Cambridge, yeah. April 1. And um, th- and that's kind of when things start to like unravel. And I but, think it's so funny that he is a LinkedIn at all. <laughs> well, right. And also um, the only story he's ever, this Dan Wooten guy, the friend of the press secretary, has ever put about Kate was to say that Kate had a falling out with her friend Rose, and they're now no longer talking. And this was before the affair rumors. And it, part of me is like, it kind of is to get ahead of, like, to make that other girl look discredited and knowing that they're going to come out and say this happened. Yeah. It's kind of interesting when you, I've never really dove into the reporters themselves, but they all have a very clear skew of who they side with. And to be a part of this royal rota that the Queen and Co. insists they use, yet they have an extreme bias, paired with the fact that. Harry has been kicking and screaming for 18 months, two years, being like, the people that are talking horribly about my wife are the very people that you insist represent us. Which is, why would, why would anyone Why would anybody that? stay? Yeah. So if you're like, okay, I'm never going to be king. I have all these restrictions around me. The press is making our life hell. I'm telling my family you should be loyal to me. Not only are you not leaving the royal rota, you're also maybe leaking stories. You're backed into a fucking corner. Yeah. And I feel like it became way more clear to me. Like, before I was, like, I get that they want to be celebrities and, like, make money. And, like, I just think, whatever. Like, yeah, we all want to do that. (laughs) If I was, like, able to hang out with Jay-Z and Beyonce, but, like, had to sit in Frogmore just because I'm not allowed to go to celebrity functions, I'd be annoyed. Like, go to dinner somewhere nice? Yeah, like, at least go to Soho House. Um, (laughs) Oh, by the way, total sidebar. Since I've been looking into moving here, I've, like, looked at Soho House, and I realized that as a member of Soho House Chicago, you can also be a member of Soho House Toronto. If I saw Meghan and Harry, I would... I'd pass out. I would (laughs) pee my pants. (laughs) I would never say hi. I would. But I I bet she's warm. I would bet she loves when people say hi. Do you think he so? He probably hates it, but I would bet she loves it. Did you read that story about how they were hiking in Toronto or Vancouver? And she offered to take, take photos. a picture. I think she love like loves the attention, but also just like is outgoing and enjoys talking to people. If I were that famous, I would get some joy out of knowing I'd make somebody's, somebody's day. Somebody's day, yes. And a and lot of people like were saying it was Thursday, like she wanted to be noticed. I'm like, no, it was Christmas. And that was and really nice. That was really nice. And like really normal. I would have I fallen over the edge of the cliff and died if I turned around and Megan was like, can I take your photo? Oh, I know. <laughs> I And it's like, well, can do you ask her like, for Like that's a photo? almost dangerous. Oh, it, <laughs> she offered when you're hiking. They were like taking a selfie next to a cliff. <laughs> Did she take a photo with the woman or just a no, photo just of them? Of the two of them. That's I guess what they have to do. Yeah. Um, I think too that, like, we should have. I don't know. We should have known when Archie didn't have a title. We should have known when they left Kensington Palace. We should have known when they got their own PR team. We should have known when they went to. There was rumors they were going to live in Africa, and then in Africa they s- announced they were suing the press after Africa. They I mean, did there that have emotional been signs announcement. For months. Yeah. Uh, and it's like all of this is like so obvious. And I think too, when I so much of it was like the queen was blindsided and a lot of the that, press was positioned to make her seem like a victim and all this, but she hasn't been listening for years. Well, my my issue with that whole day was that the that Buckingham Palace said they didn't clarify. They basically were like while we understand that the Sussexes are eager to, or eager the to independent move, or yeah, something. whatever, there are lots of discussions that need to happen, which made it sound like they were blindsided by it. They were just blindsided by the announcement. 
They right. didn't make it clear that conversations had been happening already. Right. And that was made clear later, but I feel like that was a like a shitty PR move on their part to be like, this was a surprise, because it really wasn't. Like, they'd been talking about it, and then they were backed into a corner because it was leaked. Right. So. And that's what is crazy, too. So, like, they're, they've been floating around the idea. Obviously, they didn't go to Sandringham for Christmas. On January 7th, they go to Canada House in London, and Archie's back still in Canada, and they're, like, vocally talking about how much they love Vancouver, this, that, and the other. Their people go on the record and say there are no, there's no major announcements in the pipeline on January 7th. On January 8th, the announcement comes out. The Sun leaks it. Dan Wooten leaks it, the guy I'm talking about. And um, they have no choice but to get ahead of it because they have this separate PR firm, the separate communications arm in the States that they hired on six to eight months before solely so they could take back their own narrative and not be dominated by the Royal Rota. So for the Royal Rota to get this story ahead of them is the biggest problem ever. And there was probably no panic and no time to put that together. And I believe the queen was surprised at the announcement, but like it was so clear that they've, they've just, I think the queen was blowing them off and not thinking they would do it. That's why I hated that statement was that she was saying, or they, I'm not sure who actually formulated it. But it's annoying because they're the ones who told Harry and Meghan to make a list, and the list is what got leaked. Yes. Oh, right, yes, exactly. To make a list of what what you'd like us to do and things to change, and they were hesitant to do it. Right. And then they did it, and And it got leaked. And he didn't want to document it, and he, like, typed it. And this is what I mean. You can't – who the hell in that house – and Dan Wooten's the one on the record being like, Harry sits there and he huffs and puffs at the papers and the TV and whatever, and his wife doesn't even watch stuff. But he's the one that's not understanding that the leaks are internal. And for a journalist to say the leaks are internal means like that's are, where he gets his information. Yeah. And I'm like, on what planet do you live in this palace? And like everyone thinks your life is so good, but every move you make, you don't know who is talking about you. That is horrible. And not worth it. It's hidden cameras everywhere. <laughs> you think so? Like, well, do you no, think I know. I'm saying that's turn against each like. other. Do you think like Cambridge will try to get it? Like, so, I hope it's not like that. But like, every I just I don't understand why people care so much. I know. Like, let them live. He's not going to be king. Why do y'all care so much what he does? And why people do people hate Megan? <laughs> I know, but it's just like again, they're not using public funds except for security. We are not. Totally sure on that. But they're, they've done what you wanted them to do from the beginning. Right. You've complained about the p- funds thing that they used for the house and what she's spending and all this. She, of course, right. just her. <laughs> we don't know what's in his closet because people don't care about guys' clothes. Right. Um, but you're getting everything you wanted, so just let it go now is kind of my thought. Like... They're out of the royal family. You never wanted her there to begin with. She's out. She's, I mean, they got, yeah, she's not using fair. public funds. So why are you still hung up on this? Let that's, it go. Let that's them what live. enrages me. I'm like, if you never liked her, aren't you getting what you wanted? Yeah. So you're mad she's in, you're mad she's out. It's the same people. It really is. And like, I think like, yeah, it's obviously I can't speak to that in terms of being a woman of color, but like that piece, being a woman in general, like being an American in general, like there's so many things that like, I just think you can't win and people have their mind made up and it's not right. And like, I'm just so on board with like, 
you look back on your like life and legacy, are you going to be the like, what's more admirable, the person that doesn't want to ruffle feathers and like sticks with the status quo or the person that fights for a better life? Right. Like she said, it's not enough to survive. You need to like thrive. And I thought the most, and I'll stop talking about this after this, but like it, I was almost like teary. Um, When Harry gave that speech last week at that charity function um, and it was, he literally quoted Diana verbatim her speech in like right after she got divorced or before was yeah it before? she had this speech remember. in December 1993 I'll post it on my Instagram right yeah after she got divorced and right before she was stepping taking a sabbatical from the public eye and he quoted her verbatim and like several lines and he was kind of like making his statement about how the press was too harsh and he was stepping out of the public eye and he's 36 and Diana was 36 when he she died and it, to me, I was like, this is the very, are, the parallels are interesting. I think he's very driven by um, following in her footsteps of um, pushback and her ultimately perishing because of the pushback and not having like a teammate. I just think he sees this as his opportunity to like rewrite history in the way his mom probably wanted to. And I think for him, it's so much deeper than money. And I know it doesn't look like that, but I think that when there's like a specific quote about like, uh, uh, you've given me an education and living and how like all things aside, um, you know, I've learned the difference kind of between like life and living and Harry wants to live and he doesn't want to just like have now that he has a family to protect. He wants to protect that and do what's best for them. And before that, he was just kind of doing what he was told. Yeah. And now he has a reason to do other things. And no wonder he's hated the press forever. Like William hasn't had that bad of a life, like with the press. Like they, Harry, they have some really embarrassing times when he was like very young. That like maybe they could Vegas. have not exploited. exploited. <laughs> yeah. Did you see? There's a girl in my Facebook group who was there that night. No. But I know I know somebody who uh, hung out with him in Miami. There's a girl who posted a picture in the Be There in Five Facebook group where she was like, no, I was there. Like, the pictures of Harry in the pool, like, she's in them from the tabloids. That's hilarious. And she was like, he was, it's like, you see a redheaded guy, you, know, you, you don't assume it's Prince Harry. Right. But that, like, he was delightful and fun. She had nothing bad to say, but it was, like, weird to be there as a part of that infamous night because it was kind of innocuous partying that anybody would do. Yeah. And it kind of is sad that, like, you everything is muddled yeah. into something bad. And back then there wasn't even like smart, it was like somebody's cannon point and shoot, you know? Now it, you couldn't do anything. No. I mean, that's why they don't leave the house. That's so I sad. not like that life. I, this, I always explain to my husband this about the city. I'm very scared of the suburbs. And he's like, you don't leave the house much. And I'm like, right, but because I know I could. Yeah, there's a difference in knowing if you're like kind of a homebody, there's a difference in knowing I could walk down the street, bring my laptop, meet a friend, have some wine, eat dinner. Everything's here. If I don't leverage it, it's one thing. But having not having the option is like a whole other thing. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. But no, Merritt, you are such it's so much fun to have you on. People love you. You're you can talk about anything. And I know I grilled you about your life, but I really think that you're such a fascinating person. Let's and do it again. Uh, <laughs> I will have you on anytime, especially if you move here. Yeah, we can get into even more deep dives on <laughs> my weird upbringing. <laughs> oh my God, would love to. Can't wait to see the photos and yeah, learn the, the Texas Yeah, the high tip. school years. 
Merritt, I could the dissect purple, your... The purple hair <laughs> If you would go deeper into that, I would dissect your high school years. I'll have a live long. I think <laughs> high school is so funny. Um, but, okay, where can people find you? Um, I am on Instagram at Merritt Beck. I am at thestylescribe.com. And then if you are a fan of the Royals, you can follow me at Sussex Style Watch on Instagram and sussexstylewatch.com. She has a she has her blog, The Style Scribe, that she's had for a while, but she also has a Sussex Style Watch, which she brilliantly created when Megan kind of got on the scene. And she links the stuff Megan wears or similar dupes of the stuff Megan wears or has worn. And it's actually, she's incredibly fast and finds really similar products. And I think it's only going to get even better now because she's not going to be in like stiff royal two pieces. As long as we see her, I haven't been able to post anything in like a week. Come on, Megan, make an appearance. <laughs> well, I know. And people thought that that paparazzi thing was oh, staged. People are, people Did get, you think that was staged? Her smiling with no, her dogs? No, because she... The, uh, didn't you mention this, or maybe Elizabeth Holmes did? Like but, if she uh, was twisted, he was she twisted Archie around in the carrier quickly, and like it and hurts it looked every, like he wasn't carried right, right. But it it hurts everyone for her to look like she's unhappy. So she's gonna smile if she sees a camera. So like even if yes. it was if even if it was the paparazzi and it was not staged, she's not gonna like scowl because then they'll be like Megan's unhappy in Canada after royal split. True. Like That's she has point. to smile. What are you going to do? <laughs> My argument was like she knows the mommy wars of the, the internet. They they it it's real. I got I got the DMs. I was like guys, I don't know how a baby's supposed to be carried. I don't either, but but I think she other probably would have wanted it do. to be like right. And I think <laughs> right. it was like a last ditch effort. effort. But now I'm like, and then they got mad and called for no more paparazzi. And like, yeah, I don't want the paparazzi to invade people's lives. But I'm I just hopeful we'll pictures. see them out in the back. Yeah, and I, like I said before, I hope we see them so I can link her outfits for you guys. And they, I mean, <laughs> they got to have some sort of hype to get this Netflix deal. Right? It's got to be good. I'm excited. Well, Merritt, thank you so thank much for coming so much on for the pod. Me. I'll do a separate outro. Love it. But. Okay, bye. bye. All right, guys, stay tuned for a riveting Instagram video of doing the Texas dip. I need to put myself next to Merritt. She's so elegant. I am but a baby giraffe. Um, but thank you to Merritt for being generous with sharing her life stories. It was so much fun. And thanks to you guys for listening. I uh, have a show in Richmond on St. Patrick's Day, Tuesday. I don't know what's going to happen in the world. I just, it, you know, I'm just going to be diligent about hygiene and business as usual. And because I'm so, like, this job brings me so much joy when I get to go meet you guys. And it's at Funny Mode in Short Pump in Richmond on March 17th. Uh, Atlanta, May 1st. The Boston show in the summer is sold out. Uh, Atlanta still has some tickets left. And um, that's at City Winery. Be there on 5.com slash live. I'm starting a newsletter where I'm going to do like long, more long form written pieces called Late Riser, which is kind of another nod to a time themed shortcoming I have that I really attribute to a lot of my creative strength. So, uh, yeah, you can go to be there on 5.com to sign up for that. Um, and, you know, rate, review, leave five stars. Honestly, guys, the only way that like the podcast ever grows, anything happens to it, like, is if you guys share it on Instagram and tell friends about it. Um, if if ever there's any episode where you want to share, screenshot, screen record, whatever, share with people and tag uh, me or be there in five podcast means the world changes lives truly. Like that's the this entire thing the past two years is simply from you guys sharing. I don't have PR, I don't have marketing. Like you guys are like the absolute best promoters I could ever ask for. And I'm so, so grateful. And um, yeah, 
patreon.com slash be there in five bridesmaids episode part three is up there um from the episodes in january where i read listeners bridesmaid horror stories they never get old i read more of them uh on sunday there's a lot of extra love is blind content on patreon all that good stuff uh but anyways i will let you go stay safe be healthy look out for you and yours And I hope everybody has a great week. And as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. 